personal frustration to me feels like I'm hitting a wall and there's nowhere else to go. And it just feels like there's no more energy for the thing, whatever it is. Or I'll notice like, let's say if it's a work thing, any job that I've ended up quitting was because for multiple weeks, because I'm emotional, I would show up and everything in that job would frustrate me. Welcome to the Projector Guidance Podcast, your source for unlocking insight into human design. I'm your host, Brandi Yates. Are you ready to dive into the spiritual depths of human design and uncover your unique energetic expression? This podcast is here to guide you on your spiritual journey and open the door to aligning with your authentic self. By discussing the ins and outs of human design, we are here to help you radically embrace the process of discovering who you truly are. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Teresa Brenneman, a 2-4 emotional manifesting generator, as we explored the foundational mechanics of manifesting generator energy. Teresa is a holistic human design coach and energy medicine practitioner who is passionate about helping individuals discover and embrace their unique selves. She is a host of the Be a Lion podcast and Human Design Coffee Talk, where she shares her insights on human design through the lens of self-love and acceptance. Teresa believes that when we fully embody our uniqueness, we stop criticizing ourselves and start embracing our natural talents. She empowers others to stop seeking external validation and by one decision at a time, begin to seek answers from within. Teresa understands that the first step to self-discovery is to feel safe and confident in our own bodies. During the interview, I had the opportunity to ask numerous insightful questions that enhanced my understanding of manifesting generator energy on a deeper level. Teresa provided valuable insight into the distinctions between mental and physical frustration and their impact on sacral beings. We delved into the difference between generators and manifesting generators, explored the signature themes, examined how to identify a response, and considered the implications of having a conscious versus subconscious connections in defined centers. Overall, the interview was an illuminating exploration of the various facets of manifesting generator energy. Now, before we move forward with this episode, I want you to pause and take a deep breath and enjoy. Hey, Teresa, how are so you? So sorry. <laughs> it was a channel struggle kind of situation. <laughs> it's just like everything I'm trying is not working and just got to embrace it. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I'm one. Thank you for doing this with me today. You know, I truly believe that you can't go over the basics enough, right? Right. Diving totally. back in, reviewing, and because you have so much knowledge and depth and that embodied experience as a manifesting generator, I really wanted to bring you on and honestly just nail some questions and to really dive in even to the most basic things from like frustration anger, um, those signature things that I feel like a lot of people maybe still miss or yeah. misunderstand um, when they first start learning their human design. So I'm just super, super excited for you to be here. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is great. I love talking about the basics and really anything human design. So yeah, um, you know, the first thing that I really want to ask you that's um, been on my mind because I pulled up your chart, right? And you actually have a subconscious connection to your sacral, which I find yeah. fascinating. And I think that's what I want to start off with, right? Because, you know, can you just talk about what a response is for you and then what the difference is when you have that conscious, uh, conscious connection and that subconscious connection to your sacral? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, a response has really just felt like a almost a surge of energy or a it, it feels like I'm able to just, it's like the energy is available to me. And I think it's hard for me to describe because it's unconscious because I don't really know what it is until I'm either doing it or retrospectively. So I can look back at times where I'm like, oh, I had a very clear response for that. And I just jumped in and I was really satisfied afterwards, but it's actually hard for me to nail it down in the moment and describe like, oh, I'm responding right now. Like that's not usually how it goes for me. Um, so, and that being said, it's my only, I only have one sacral channel, it's unconscious and it's emotional. So I'm an emotional manifesting generator and that emotional piece does shift the way that I experience my sacral because it's, it's almost like I need to get my 
emotional center's permission <laughs> to, to respond to something because I have to ride my wave. I have to wait things out usually. Um, you know, when it comes to day-to-day -day life and the mundane and just um, responding to things in my house and being a human in that regard, I feel like I can genuinely just kind of follow wherever the energy is taking me. And it just feels like this calm, cool, kind of collected response and surge of energy. But yeah, it's it's like, it's really hard to describe unconscious channels. I'm realizing that as we're talking, I'm like, I don't even really know. <laughs> and that's why so. I was so curious, like, is there a big difference when somebody has that subconscious connection versus a conscious connection, right? Like when you have that conscious connection, I would believe that you're able to feel it more, right? You're more aware of it. You're very in tune with it. Do you feel like maybe it's taking you some time to really ground and to understand just because it is that subconscious connection? Yeah, absolutely. I, what I've noticed with my unconscious connections is I'm not really aware of them until other people have pointed them out. So like the 659, for example, I've always had people tell me like, oh, you just feel so warm and I feel like I can confide in you and tell you things. And um, I I really like connecting other people to like, oh, you should create a bond with this person or whatever. But I, again, I, it, that's not something that I would use to describe myself if somebody were to ask before I knew about human design, at least, or before um it's, it's one of those things where I can describe it based on what other people have said to me. And I think the thing with unconscious channels is it's once you've experienced it, you understand it, but it's not easy to consciously explain. It's like, you know, it's in there, but your brain is like, I don't know how to describe this, you know, and then other people can very clearly feel it in you and they can describe it. But my mind has a hard time describing it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because the design side is related to the body. So I feel like just because it's the mind and then the body, right? Your mind's like, I don't, I don't know. We've got to work with this. We need to figure out how to integrate that subconscious energy. So like, I found that super interesting. That was one of the things that I wanted to ask you um, because I'll have, <laughs> I'll have readings and they'll be like, I just don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not relating to this response that you're talking about. Like, I'm not sure what you're talking about or what that feels like. And my response is like, so it, there is this subconscious connection. Like, I think this is going to take more practice and awareness and grounding and really bringing your attention into your body because your mind, you know, has been running the show for so long. Um, so I was really curious mm -hmm. to get your feedback on that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, my response just kind of feels like something that is in autopilot. It's like, if my body is moving to do the thing, then I have a response. It's not this, like, I know if I'm sitting there and going, do I want to, do I not, do I, do I, do I not, then I don't have a response. Like, if it's moving to do it, then, then it's there, you know, like I was meeting a new friend for coffee the other day, and I'm a second line, so it's like, it kind of takes me a little to get out of my my uh, cave sometimes and whenever I go hang out with somebody I'm always excited to do it like well in there and I'm doing it but my mind is annoyed the whole time I'm getting ready and I'm like well my body is getting ready like I'm going to shower and I'm doing my makeup and I'm getting ready so we're going and my mind's like fine <laughs> you know so it's just the kind of thing where I'm like clearly I have a response or else I wouldn't be like getting ready and getting out the door right now and my mind is just kind of sitting there like what are we doing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I know I asked you this because I met with you on human design at coffee talk. And one of the questions that I asked was about informing, right? Because informing as a manifesting generator is something that is important, but I also believe that it's really important on when you do it and how you're doing it. Right. So can you just talk about, especially with you with emotional authority, like when should a manifesting generator start informing? You know, I feel like um, all types can inform. And I, I really kind of walk a fine line when it comes to informing as a manifesting generator because MGs are so conditioned to operate like manifestors that when they hear, oh, I can just inform, they, they almost tend to bypass the response. And so... 
I try to make it very clear, like, you you have to be in response still before you start informing people. And then from there, it's kind of similar to what we would tell a manifester. It's inform anybody who would be impacted by what you're doing, what you're changing. Um, I have a good example of this. So my husband, this was a few years ago, I was quitting a job that I'd been working for like five years. And my husband knew that I was riding my emotional wave about this. I'd been feeling into it for like six months. But then the day that I decided to do it, I didn't tell him I was doing it. And he was really upset with me. And was just like, why didn't you just tell me? Da, 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 da. And it ended up being like an emotional decision that like in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it the way I did it. And he was like, I would have talked you off that ledge. You should have told me, you know. And so there's a lot that I feel like somebody who has like an emotional manifesting channel like I do. Um it's more about like informing about your feelings, like how you're feeling and what you're feeling into doing. And then the people that will be impacted can help you. Or at least in my case with that story, it's like, if I would have told him, he could have been like, are you really sure about this? Like, are you really feeling clarity instead of just me making an irrational emotional decision in that moment? You know, even though I was in response, I was still in an emotional high at that moment. So um yeah I hope does that make sense it does because I mean like for me like where my mind just goes is if you have emotional authority you're informing and like working through your emotions and talking about it and kind of letting people know like I'm on the fence dude like I'm not sure which way this is gonna go I'm not sure which direction but I'm letting you know that something's coming or not coming we're not sure yet but then maybe with like a pure manifesting generator it's not so much emotional like once you get that that hit and that response it's like hey I'm really excited about this like I'm going in this direction now so it's not about talking about your feelings as much if you're a pure manifesting generator maybe as much as it is an emotional manifesting generator which I think is like something to really like honor and to know the difference between your authority and how you should be informing as well yeah. And I think the thing is, is MGs can be so quick. It's not that we have the impact that a manifester does. Like the reason manifestors need to inform is because they can have a lot of impact on the people around them. With MGs, it's more of just like a courtesy to the people around you. You know, it it might create some impact, of course, but it's kind of just like, I'm moving really fast and I'm changing gears quickly. And I'm going to ruin my relationships if I'm not telling the people that I care about or that care about me, the changes that I'm making. And it's almost like, and I've had people tell me this before, like, I can't keep up with you. Like, what's next? What's new? You know, it's something new every time I see you. And that's slowed down the more that I've like anchored into my design and I'm following my strategy and authority. I feel like at least my experience with MGs, when I first start working with them, they're kind of all over the place doing a million different things. And that tends to pare down the more that they learn about their response. Um, so yeah, it's, I think, I think informing is helpful for all types because even with projectors, you know, projectors can say, you know, I kind of want to go on a beach vacation. And then if their manifest or, or if their generator partner has a response to that and say, oh yeah, we should go on a beach vacation. I'll plan that or whatever, you know? And so I don't think it's bad for any, um, type to inform just the way that we go about it will shift depending on our type. Yeah, no, I like that response. Um, frustration though. But you guys have frustration and anger. So does that anger come when you can't work through the frustration? Like what, talk to me about this anger that, that kind of comes through and on top of the frustration. <laughs> it's so funny because I literally just had anger <laughs> my computer. Um, so this is perfect. I'm really glad that happened now. Um, yeah, so I was trying to use a different computer be so I could use my uh, microphone too, because as you know, MacBooks or I don't know, maybe if you do or don't, they only have like one USB thing and my other computer has multiple. So anyways, that computer, I hadn't turned it on for a while. So it was like trying to update and it was just doing all this weird thing. And eventually I'm like staring at it. And I'm like, I, this thing is preventing me from doing what I need to do. And I'm getting really frustrated. I'm like talking to the computer, like, come on, why are you taking so long? And so then I run into my other room to go get the computer. And I literally took that computer and like threw it on my bed. And it was just this burst of anger. And so, yeah, I feel like it does come through like when there's frustration and something is in our way. Um, and it usually for me, it's really quick. It's just like, this burst of energy that comes through and then I'm like I'm fine 
<laughs> and then I'm like back to normal, you know? So for me, I feel like because I'm also emotional, there is like that emotional wave that kind of peaks with that. Um, but the way that I've seen other, like my best friend's a sacral MG and uh, she's also my co-host on Coffee Talk. And I've seen her describe it as like rage and I've seen her, she's like, oh, I'm getting ragey, you know? And for her, it's usually when, um, since her channel is a tribal channel, it's when she's not feeling supported or when somebody who should be supporting her, or she, she thinks should be supporting her is like standing in her way. And she'll be like, oh, I'm feeling ragey. And, and hers will like just come through really quickly too. And the same thing, it's like a flame that just goes out. So I don't know that anger is standalone with MGs. I feel like they do go together. Like they kind of accompany one another. Yeah. So when you, as a manifesting generator, when you're meeting frustration, does that mean like that you need to change direction? Like, what does that mean when you're, when you're doing something and you're just like frustration, frustration, frustration? Yeah. So like that I need to shift things Um, and then there's such a thing as physical frustration and mental frustration is a normal part of like working in response even I mean that can come up when you're learning how to do a new skill or um, you're building something that is a lot of work to build you know and I've built brick and mortar businesses from the ground up and Uh, you know, now working on an online business and there's things that are bound to make you frustrated, you know, but mental frustration just kind of feels like this annoyance, like, oh, this should be going faster. This should be going more my way. Um, You know, I like to use the example of when I was learning how to play guitar, it just, I was get, I would get so mentally frustrated because it's so annoying learning how to play guitar, but I still had a physical response for it. I still wanted to pick up my guitar every day and like grind away at it. Um, so I really like to teach all, all sacral types, the difference between mental frustration and physical frustration, physical frustration to me feels like I'm hitting a wall and there's nowhere else to go. And it just feels like there's no more energy for the thing, whatever it is. Um, or I'll notice, like, let's say if it's a work thing, any job that I've ended up quitting, was because for multiple weeks, because I'm emotional, I would show up and everything in that job would frustrate me. And it's like, no matter what I would do, like, yeah, maybe there'd be a few moments of the day where I'd feel energy towards something, but then something frustrated w- would happen. And I I would just find myself constantly frustrated at the job. Um, and it would just feel like my energy is almost like a, a block that doesn't want to move. It's just like, nope. You can't drag me to do anything and I'm not going to move. So yeah, there's a big difference there, I would say. So like with, I like the way that you describe that between mental and physical frustration. So do you feel like when you're having like that mental frustration, you still feel the energy energy to continue doing it and to work through that frustration? Because that was one of the things with like generator types, like they're meant to work through that frustration. And that was one of the things that I wanted to really kind of talk about today, because there are some well, at least some, some people that I've heard is like, when you meet frustration, you know, that's you, um, kind of needing to look at what you're running into, but the way that you describe that between a physical frustration and a mental frustration, I feel like just deciphers whether you have energy to continue giving to this thing, or if you're at block and you're no longer having that response that this might not be something that you need to keep giving that energy to. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, because and especially when it comes to pure generators, they're here for mastery. So you're going to have to deal with plateaus when you're on your path to mastery. Um, With MGs, it's a little different. Like the way that I have experienced it is just, it's almost like my work is done here. You know, like I've, I've completed what I've needed to complete like when with my old job, it was a brick and mortar fitness studio. I worked there for five years. I helped my business partner open it. I did all like the groundwork to get it up and running. And I was very much wearing many hats. And, you know, MGs love that. We love to be doing lots of different things, or at least I do in a job. And it was like, I just got this feeling of there's nothing more for me to contribute to this. There's I've built what I needed to build. And now it's time for me to pivot and go build something else. Whereas a pure generator and the 
the gal that came in and ended up taking my spot in that job was a pure generator. And she had the energy to like, keep it going and just do what needed to be done to like, keep this place going and the day in and the day out the grinding. And I'm like, I need to pivot because my energy is better off somewhere else right now. Um, so that's where I think the manifestor piece comes into it is manifestors only go where they have impact. I'm only going to go where I can continue to build and do different things. And if my energy is no longer needed, I'm going to lose the energy for it and probably become frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, manifesting generators, I mean, you guys it's not so much about mastery, but I feel like it's more just about efficiency. It's like, what's the quickest way that we can get from here to here, right? And that's why the skipping steps part um, is so relevant to you guys. Whereas generators, I really see them as just like this train, right? It's just like one step after the other and they're able to show up and keep giving this energy, but only if it lights up to them. So I really like the way that you explained that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, earlier, you were talking about how you kind of just left your job, right? You just like, we're on this emotional roller coaster, but you're a two, four. And that four part for you, right? Raw always said, if you have a four in your profile, don't leave a job until you have another job. Don't leave this unless you have this. How do you feel that was for you, especially in that situation? Yeah. So with that situation, ugh, I mean, it was, it was a complex story, but looking back at it, I kind of got wrapped up into the emotions of like a possibility of another opportunity that it's like, when I look back at the mechanics, all the mechanics were correct. I was responding. I had been riding my wave for like six months, but it was just like the way that I went about it was emotional. Um, and that, and being a fourth line, I, I didn't have another job lined up, but I had already been doing my own business for like a year and a half at this point on the side. So I did have my business that was actually doing almost better than my personal training business, um, my like energy medicine, human design, that kind of stuff. But it was it I burned bridges when I left that job. And that's what was so hard about being a fourth line is like I had built this network. Um, I was getting a lot of clients for other the other types of work that I was doing through that network. And, and then it was just like, like it all went away. And I felt like this five years of hard work building this network just kind of went away. You know, some people still stayed with me, but I, I mean, you've worked in fitness before and it's, it's such a community. They're like fiercely loyal to their leader, you know, who was my business partner at the time. And, um, I, I looked, I look back and I totally get it. And it was, it just happened. It just needed to happen that way so that I could learn about my emotional process. Because ever since then, I have been so careful with making any type of life-changing decision. You know, uh, the little decisions, whatever, those are fine. You're going to learn either way. But it's really the big life-changing decisions that feel like such a slap in the face. And Ra had talked about that too. Emotionals need to make emotional decisions so that they can know what that feels like. Um, and that's something that's like singed into my awareness now. So, yeah. How long do you feel like it took you to recover after you took that big leap? Because one of the things <laughs> rolling your eyes, one of the big things that I've learned, especially with the two, which like the difference between the two and a three, I'm a conscious three, you're a conscious two, where like when you have those big events that that carries in your frequency, especially as a two, you're like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to hermit. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to seclude myself. I'm going to go back into my sanctuary where I feel good. But that carries with you for a little bit. Whereas for a three, you know, not saying that it doesn't hurt and that we don't get damaged, but the way that we come back out is just maybe a little more quicker. Um, yeah. How, yeah. Does that, how did that relate to you? Yeah. I mean, that happened in 2020 and I feel like it's taken me up until this past year to recover from it. Really. It was a lot, especially just as an emotional being, it was a lot to process. Um, and yeah, it's funny because my husband's a three, six. And so I can really see the difference, what you just described and how him and I recover. Uh, he kind of just wallows for like a couple days or whatever, because he's also emotional. And then he's like, all right, getting back on the horse. Whereas for me, it's like, 
I'm just going to hide from everybody. <laughs> everybody hates me, you know? <laughs> um, so it was hard. It was, it was challenging. And, but, you know, I did still have like a, I had a pretty decent support system in place. And so looking back, I'm like, I don't know that it was really wrong the way that it happened. I almost don't know if I would have ever fully left that job had I not done it in such an extreme way because I kept like having one foot in and one foot out. So looking back, I'm like, I kind of needed to do it. And a bunch of doors did start opening for me. Um, like the month after I left, TikTok was like kind of just starting to ramp up. And I had a friend who was in PR and was like contracting with TikTok to find people for their creator fund that they were doing at the time, which was like before they rolled it out. And they were paying people like a monthly stipend basically to, or like a monthly salary to record a certain amount of videos and I got contracted for like three months like right away to do that and that made up for all the income that I was missing from not being at the studio and then a bunch of doors started opening for me after that so looking back I'm like actually my network did carry me it just felt like I took such a loss because I was so used to the community and I have hanging gate 37 you know part of the channel of community I'm I always am looking to be a part of something and so when I don't have that feeling of community it feels like I'm missing something and it did drive me to start building that more online and you know getting involved in the human design community on Instagram and I've made some of like my bestest friends now after doing that so retrospectively it all worked out the way it showed up and you know you have channel of struggle you know how it goes <laughs> everything we do is gonna be it's gonna seem like a struggle especially to people watching from the outside looking in um, but to me it's like yeah it was all worth it you know yeah do I wish I would have been more mature about the way I went about that of course but looking back it's like okay and you know my business partner and I we ended up making amends and uh she's a three five so I feel like she was pretty forgiving of it because she understands people make mistakes and so yeah, looking back, I'm like, I have no regrets. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like, because, you know, your fourth line is subconscious, right? So it's it's really the body. And do you feel like, even though you left that job, maybe because you had that foundation at home, you had the security at home, right? That you were able to seclude and you're able to work on yourself. And that natural gift was able to develop as a two because you had that security at home, even though that security wasn't coming from your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I was very much being called out a lot at the time. Like uh, the only reason I got into doing like life coaching and human design and energy medicine was because I was seeing a Reiki practitioner at the time who was actually one of my Pilates clients that I was doing trades with. And she was like, I don't know what you're doing with this whole personal training thing. <laughs> like You are very emotionally in tune like there was one day that she came in to train and she was having a really bad day. And I was like, seems like you don't want to train today. And she was like, yeah, can we just talk? And we just talked and she was like, you are amazing. You know, and was like calling me out for basically being a healer, um, which was the word she used to describe it. I wouldn't necessarily call myself that, but just, I think what she was trying to say was just emotionally in tune, emotion, like can support people in that emotional space and hold the space in that way. Um, and I was being more called out for that at the time. And it was kind of like personal training was just this means to an end. It was just a way to kind of make money and have a community and that kind of thing, but it wasn't really where my heart was. And so as a second line, you really have to pay attention to what people are calling you out for. And usually if you're kind of uncomfortable with what they're calling you out for, it's a gift of yours. Mm. Um, and since then I've had call outs for the same thing from other people too. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, that's the common thing I keep getting called out for. And it wasn't necessarily like, oh, you're the best personal trainer. Even my personal training clients would joke and call me their therapist. They'd say, you know, you know, I come in here to work out, but it's really just because you're basically my therapist. And you know, you're, I talked to you about all my problems. And so it's funny because looking back, I'm like, I was always getting called out for that. I just, second lines can't see ourselves. So I, it wasn't always obvious to me. I would just be like, oh, haha, ha, you know, that's hilarious. And then be learning about the body and trying to know all the scientific things. And when in reality, there was this thing I was doing that I wasn't necessarily aware of it. And then I feel like the unconscious fourth line piece of it is just 
my network is there for me. I just don't always know that it's going to be there. You know, it's like, I'm not always aware of the network that I've created. And I've talked to four sixes about this because a, a lot of my good friends tend to be four sixes. And they're like, you build your network so easily. It's like, you don't even have to try. It just happens. And I'm like, yeah, because my body just takes me places and I'm at the right place at the right time. And I just meet people. Whereas four sixes have told me, or like a couple of them have told me they feel like they have to work at it more. Like they're consciously aware of like, these. this is my network and I'm building this and these are my opportunities. And um, I'm not, I'm not aware of that process. It's just kind of happening in the background. Yeah. I think it really is important. Like if you can really see the difference that when a two, four has that stability and that sanctuary and that security in their environment, that's when those two and those call outs and that awakening, I feel like really comes through because you've created space and you created that safe environment for you to explore these natural gifts of yours. Uh, and that's kind of what I was seeing through your story. Yeah. Yeah. Now- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Uh, a lot of people, or especially before we got on here, um, there were some questions. Manifesting generators have a common theme of being very impulsive, right? Wanting to be quick, wanting to act, wanting to just get things done, not wanting to wait. Can you just please dive into how important it is to be patient, even if you're a pure manifesting generator? And then can you talk about, you know, that emotional process, especially as an emotional manifesting generator. Yeah. So, and we were talking about frustration earlier. I think a lot of the frustration that MGs feel is because we are trying to initiate when really we need to be waiting for the response. And I think the waiting thing trips people up so much because when people hear wait, they think, oh, so what am I doing? Just like sitting around and waiting. <laughs> That's never the case. I mean, sometimes, you know, there are there are days where I'm just kind of like looking around, what do I have a response for? Um, but the waiting piece of it, I like to describe it as it's wait to respond. You're always having things to respond to, but what you're waiting for, it's almost like it should say wait for a response because a lot of times people act from their mind and they're not actually tuning into, do I really have a response for doing this? They might be responding, but they're not actually tuning into like, do I have the energy for this or not? And the thing is, is that the material plane is slow. Our mental plane is very quick. Everything is possible in the mental plane. All of your fantasies can become your reality in your mental plane, right? But in the physical reality, things move slowly. And MGs seem to think that because they can move so quickly up here, and then even in the physical plane, like we can physically move quickly, um, we think we can force things to move faster than they're meant to. And that's a lesson I've had to learn over and over again. Like, it's just like, I want this to happen. I want it now. And in the reality, you're still going to be using your sacral energy. You're still going to be doing things that bring you satisfaction. But the big life goals that you might have or the things that you're working towards, that's going to take some time no matter what type you are. Um, so, you know, business has really taught me that, like working for myself and building businesses has really taught me just like what a slow process that is. And although it might seem like MGs are, you know, pumping out content quick or, you know, pivoting and doing all like learning how to do all these different things. That's more going on up here, the learning and the, that kind of stuff. But when it actually comes to making something happen, we don't really have control of that. So for me, it's really been deciphering between like, what does my mind think is a good idea for me to do? And sometimes even try to convince me that I'm in response. Um, but what does my body actually have the energy for? And this is something I've noticed too, maybe you can speak on this too, but a lot of people that I talk to that have been in the experiment for multiple years, um, we, we just kind of do a lot less <laughs> like compared to like, at least like the people in my life who aren't really into human design or compared to my previous self there's just it's a kind of a slower way of life it's um there's just let I don't know I don't feel the pressure to like produce 
and be constantly going after things and trying to make things happen the way that I used to. I'm kind of just like, I don't know if the energy's there and then it'll happen. If it's not, then I'm going to keep waiting. So yeah, I don't no. know if I answered your question. <laughs> you did, but I mean, I can definitely definitely relate to that slower process, um, especially as a projector. That was one, honestly, I still have this conversation with myself all the time. Like, do I actually have energy to do this today? Or is my mind being like, you should do this. You need to do this. When in reality, as a projector with so much openness, I'm like, I actually don't. And so like my mornings are slower. My days, like people are like, oh my God, you know, the day has gone by so quick. We're now we're in February. Christmas was just here. And it's like, I don't know. I'm more present in my body. I'm more slowed down. I'm more intentional with where I'm giving my energy rather than just being sporadic and chaotic. Because a lot of that energy for me, when it was sporadic and chaotic, was also coming from like this survival type of mentality. Like I need to survive. I need to get this done. I have to get this done in order to survive. And even though I may do things to still survive, it's, I have a process. It's still much slower. I don't expect it to happen so quick, like the pressure that's honestly been kind of, you know, ingrained. So I feel like once you start embracing your design, one of the big things that I'm still consciously working on is just completely surrendering. And I feel like once you surrender into working with your design and working with your strategy and your authority, you're able to really see the difference in how you're spending your day and how much slower, you know, that process is. But to me, it's more enjoyable, right? The slower mm -hmm. it is, the more enjoyable it is. It's like that faster process. It's done. It's gone. It's missed. Um, so I definitely relate to that. Yeah. It's like you're savoring everything a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, something I've really learned from reflectors, specifically my friend, Sarah, who's a reflector, um, is reflectors have to, they're the ultimate surrender type and they have to surrender to the transits and to the seasons of the wheel, you know? And so when I talk to a reflector, who's embodied in that process, and they're just so surrendered to how slow life is, and they're just really the embodiment of life and going in that like this life cycles I should say and so for me I'm like oh okay so even though I'm responding to things all day I still also have to go with the seasons of life and I feel like we all naturally feel that like slowdown that happens in winter no matter where you live even if you live in a tropical place you feel that slowness that inwardness and when you look at the rave mandala and you see the different quarters and the cycles that we go through each each year it's like, okay, that energy to start that thing might not be available until the quarter of initiation, or I might not be building that thing until, you know, the a different quarter it's, or I might not connect with that person until that time. And it's, it's just like, you start to see, oh yeah, I need to use my sacral up every day, but sometimes it's really not going to be in the ways that my mind thinks because I have to wait for that cycle to go around as well. Does that make sense? It I does. feel like I had this big awareness talking about this with the with this reflector the other day. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, because like one of the things that I noticed, like when I was in high school or kind of like my dating life when I was single was like, I would get interested at this time of year, or I would want to get into a relationship around this time of the year, but the rest of the year don't care. Don't think about it. Doesn't matter. But there were just certain times of the year. I was really gravitated towards like getting into a relationship and then you get into a relationship and then, yeah, anyways. Um, but I definitely yeah. relate to, um, that rave mandala. Do you have any advice for, manifesting generators being able to get more into their body more grounded yeah so I mean I think a really good starting place is just to it's almost like just no noticing how you feel when somebody asks you a question and this is like a game that you could play with a somebody else in your life maybe you have another generator in your life and you can ask each other questions and just noticing the different sensations that come about, like if somebody says, like, do you like that? Do you want to eat this? Or do you want to eat this? You know, and really taking a moment to sit there and being like, what does it feel like? When do I have that rising up of energy? Um, 
I mean, that's like where I would start is just taking your time with questions so that you can sit there and like close your eyes maybe, or if noises work for you, if sacral sounds work for you, seeing what sacral sounds come out. And it might not be an uh or uh uh-uh, it might be like a uh or a uh, you know, and just letting those noises come out. Sacral sounds don't work for everybody. So I don't, I'm not like a diehard about that. Um, Also, some things outside of human design that have helped me with somatic experiencing. Uh, Yoga Nidra has been really helpful. I like fall asleep to that every night and it just helps me come into my body at the end of the day and just kind of like check in on everything. And it taught me to feel into like the very, like every crevice of my body and to start being able to um, see what my body is communicating to me. And so I feel like uh, people don't really understand embodiment until they're actually experiencing it. And you do have to be kind of intentional with it at first. And especially if you've been through, if you, if you carry trauma in your body, if you've been through some hard shit in your life, then you might not feel safe in your body and you might not understand this whole strategy and authority thing until you have that level of safety within yourself, within your body, and you have some sort of communication with you and your body. You know, our bodies are communicating to us all the time, but it's really nuanced. And sometimes our body will just get louder and louder and louder the more we're not paying attention to it. And I've seen illness can happen and burnout and all of those things. So I think there's a lot of different things to explore. And I'm a huge um, encourager of people going outside of the system and not just being like, oh, well, all I need is human design information. And if you don't understand strategy and authority, like maybe you're not meant to right now. Maybe there are some other things that you need to do to start to cultivate a relationship with your body. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, Because like one of the suggestions that I have for people who are having trouble listening or feeling into that sacral is doing yoga, right? Get doing Pilates, doing these exercises where it really does, where you have to feel into your body. You have no choice. Like that is the purpose is to get uncomfortable and to work through those uncomfortable things and breathe through the uncomfortability. And that's one of the big things that I advise people. I just feel like everyone, you know, just whether it's in the morning, it doesn't have to be dramatic, right? You don't have to go to a yoga class. You can if you have no um, experience, but just applying little things and little habits into your life that can really help connect you, I think can bring more awareness to that sacral um, for you to be able to listen to those responses. Yeah. And I almost feel like the sacral gets, I don't want to say it gets stronger over time, but that's kind of how it's felt for me. It's almost like um, I will literally feel myself like perk up you know, and be like, oh yeah, that's the thing. And then get up and go, you know? And that's, I think that's very much an MG thing of like, when we're in response, we're like moving, we're in action. Um, But yeah, when I think back to before I found human design, I mean, I'd been teaching Pilates for five years, reformer Pilates, where it's very much all about connecting to your body and feeling the little cues from your body. And my mentor was amazing and taught me how to feel the little nuances. And it wasn't about the big movements. And, you know, it was really about connecting to your system. And so I I feel like everything I learned before I found human design prepared me to be able to understand that. And even then it still took me like, I'm in my fifth year now, and it still took me like a good couple years to really feel what that response feels like and to feel my emotional wave and to know like, Oh, I'm in a high today or I'm in a low today or whatever. So I I would say like, if you're new to this, be so graceful and patient with yourself and you're, you you do not have to do it perfectly. You're not going to do it perfectly. And it's really more about the awareness and watching yourself and observing your experience than it is about perfectly following your strategy and authority. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head with saying observing your experience, which is like the hardest, but most important aspect of human design, right? Like, I feel like some people, uh, when they come into readings, they're wanting like, all right, step, step, step. This is what you're going to do to be able to get there. And I'm like this, it's not like that. I can't give you A, B, and C. We've got to work. You've got to feel, you've got to experiment. There's just all these different things that need to happen that I can't give you 
an answer. And I feel like as a fifth lines, I get projected on a lot that they need that answer. Um, so it's so interesting. But uh, one of the things, and this will probably be like one of the last questions that I ask you, and then I'm going to allow the people on the live to kind of bring up some questions. Let's yeah. say an MG, they're just like, all right, I'm here to respond, right? I'm here to respond to my environment. But what if there's nothing in my environment that I'm responding to? What if nothing's motivating me? Ooh, so this is where we can kind of get into the nuance of substructure. And I know a lot of professionals don't introduce substructure right off the bat. Um, and I think it really just depends on the client, at least in my situation. But sometimes like if I had a client come to me like that, I would be really curious what their environment is. So let's say the person is markets environment. I would say, does it feel like, do you have a response to go to a market? and see how it feels there, you know, or if their kitchen's environment, like go sit in a restaurant or go sit in your kitchen and see how it feels there. Um, and environment you can play with and it doesn't have to be like exactly what it is. You can really have fun with it and kind of curate your environment and just play with it. And so I would encourage people to experiment with that and say like, maybe you're just not in the right environment. Um, I would also be curious about this person's past and whether or not they're in burnout, because a lot of times when MGs and generators come to me, they're like, it's more about saying no to things and cutting things out of their life at first so that they can be open to responding to things that they do enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, it really just depends on where the person is at in their life. And there's no like kind of canned answer, but I would say experiment with environment and also evaluate where you're actually at because sometimes our bodies like for me when I first quit my job I had been like I'd been working seven days a week for I think three years at that point I personal trained all week and then I bartended on the weekends and I, I was also in a band and we were like playing out multiple times a month and I had to practice and like I was so busy <laughs> I was so uh typical MG and my body was just like no like everything fell away. After I quit my job, it was like the only thing available to me was like working on my business when I had the energy for it. Um, and I was living off savings for quite some time too. You know, I am I was privileged that I had been pretty good with my money and had saved a lot. So a lot of times we are in this space where we need regeneration more than we need to be generating. And I feel like over the last like year, year and a half, I've kind of come out of that. And I'm like, okay, now I'm, you know, I'm ready to start being more intentional and building and that kind of thing. But I really needed to recover for quite some time. And so I know that's not the answer a lot of people want to hear because again, our minds are like, but you need to be famous and have all the money and do all the things yesterday. But it's like, when you come to design, like this is a shattering and this isn't gonna, This isn't the type of thing where it's like manifest your dreams and do everything your heart desires. Like sometimes that's what it is for people, but it really depends on your design. And um, yeah, you it's actually more of like a melting away of all the things that you thought were correct for you and really narrowing things down. And it's a it's a huge deconstruction process. So yeah, I I find that um, people aren't always ready for what this is going to be, but I like to be really freaking honest and be like, yeah, I barely did anything for like two years. <laughs> like, I barely did anything. You know, I, I obviously had to work some, but if you don't have a response and you're genuinely waiting for that response, it might not be like every day, all day, like what I was doing before. So I think you just described really well on like how important it is for a manifesting generator to be busy with the right things, right? <laughs> because yeah. first off, holy schedule, right? I, I mean, know. no wonder why it took you two years, right? To, to, to be able to recharge and recover. And I love describing, you know, um, anyone who has a sacral battery, I think of it as like your iPhone, 
You got to charge it at night. You got to plug it in. You have to let yourself recharge just because you have the sustainable energy. If you're putting it in areas where it isn't really bringing you that satisfaction, you will reach fatigue. You will reach burnout and you will reach exhaustion. And it does take healing and recovering and rejuvenating so that you can have that creative life force energy be there for what it's used for. Because what you said with human design really being this shattering, I think a lot of people you know, our mind wants to create this life and it's a construct that our mind is creating. Like, I want this life. This is what I want. But when you start living in your design, you create the life that you're designed to create, not the life that you want to create. And so just because this is what we want, it's like, okay, but this is who you are and this is what you have energy for. Um, and again, that's where me, I'm just truly embracing this surrender. Um, yeah. That is just allowing me to just like, let's see what's next. What is yeah. next? Yeah, that's really what it is. Like at the end of the day, it's we use all these fancy words and all this jargon and and really what it is is just to help people surrender to life. And yeah. I mean, my mind has fought me so many times over the last 5 years. It still does fight me, but like it's becoming a lot it's just almost becoming comical at this point or I'm like, "Oh, this is all kind of just a movie that we're watching and it really is the mind is like kind of a silly creature, you know? <laughs> yeah. Teresa, do you have any like final words or comments that you would want to give to somebody just beginning their human design experiment? Oh, I would just say go slow, um, make friends with your body because that's really what this is all about. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Brandy or I are saying because we're just we're just these like outer authority. We're not your inner authority and connecting with your body and learning what your inner authority feels like is not a process that happens overnight, but it is so worth it. If you can just keep like showing up for yourself in that way and whether or not human design is even the correct system for you. And all you take away from it is we're all equipped with an inner guidance system and whatever that is, I need to learn to trust that and learning to trust yourself over others. I mean, that's really the biggest thing that it has come to me. Again, it's taken a while. So be patient with yourself and you don't need to know everything right off the bat, unless you're a first line, then you might need to <laughs> first line with fear motivation. You might be going after everything. Um, but you really like even the basics, like if you're studying the system, just learning about the centers and really sitting with those, I, you know, when I talked to some of the people who were the original students of raw, they're like, all we had was the centers for like a long time. And even just sitting with the centers and the themes and seeing where those come up in your life can be insanely helpful. Um, so yeah, to sum that up, go slow, be graceful with yourself, be patient with yourself and just know that you're learning to trust yourself and that takes time. Yeah, I love that. Patience, patience <laughs> and embracing. Um, I was going to ask those that are on TikTok live to see if they had any questions, but I feel like I've just nailed you with questions <laughs> today. So I'm honestly going to let this be the end and to wrap this up because I was just drilling you with question after question after question. Um, so Teresa, Thank you so much for coming on here and being a part of this. You were actually the one that, you know, sparked me into changing the direction with my human design, taking me on that coffee shop. So you and Brandy truly inspired me um, and being able, yeah, you guys were a huge inspiration. You guys really also just initiated me towards um, kind of where I am right now. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for just coming on here and being a part of this. Yeah, I love watching you. I love seeing what you're doing. I mean, this, watching a three, five pure individual is like, give me the popcorn. <laughs> so I love hopping on your lives and just seeing everything that you're doing. It's great. So I'm so glad that we could connect in that way and get you going on your path. Yeah, no, we'll be in touch. Uh, oh, wait, I do have one question. I do have one question yeah. to ask you because you have a lot of individual energy. I pulled your chart and I. this is another conversation for another day because I saw struggling, <laughs> emoting, openness. And I was like, holy shit, right? But a lot of individual circuitry. Melancholy is what is experienced through individual circuitry. Why? Why do you think melancholy is something that is so much experienced with individual circuitry? You know, I think there could be a couple reasons for that. In my experience, it's kind of like the subliminal space in between 
mutation. And sometimes I feel like individuals have this sorrow that mutations don't always land, you know, because we're, we want to see the collective mutate and evolve, but we're almost like the initial spark of change. And then it has to get through the tribe and the tribe has to approve, and then it has to get to the collective. And so mutation is this long process. And individuals, it's almost like we know that things aren't meant to stay the same all of the time and that we're meant to evolve, but we have to watch people just, it's like we have to watch our mutations not stick or other individuals' mutations not stick. And there's a sadness, I think, that accompanies that. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but sometimes I'm just like so sad that things are not evolving and changing as quickly as my mind would like them to. Um, And when it comes to like my own internal process, it feels like it's this, like when I'm in melancholy, I'm like, all right, it feels like nothing's really happening. But at the same time, I feel like that's a really creative space for me because it's almost like I take that sorrow and I put that into songwriting or I put that into painting something. And it's like this, it's this fear that everything's always going to be the same and nothing's ever going to change. And I think that's why individuals are really creative and artistic people is because we have to channel that melancholy into something. Um, And music really helps for any people who have a lot of individual circuitry that are listening. If you're in melancholy and you feel like you just cannot get out of that, put on some sort of music. It's either going to make you cry or make you dance or make you do something. But it, it almost just reminds me of like the beauty of life because that melancholy can be, it can be a really creative space, but it can also be a really dark space. So music has been like a life changer for me in that way. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about just like, why, like, why does it appear? Why does it, why is that like the one circuit where it's just really heavily imprinted? And I like the way that you describe that. Cause for me, whenever I start feeling melancholy, it makes me look at what a, is there something I need to change? Is there mm-hmm. something that I need to do to do? Is there something that needs to evolve? Right. So when I start getting that to me, it's kind of like this signature of like, I don't want to keep feeling like this. So something has to evolve. Something needs to change. Um, so I was just curious, kind of like what your input was for that. Yeah, I feel like I've become really accepting of melancholy and I try not to make it mean anything at this point. I just like to see it as chemistry. And when you have individual circuitry, it's going to be a part of your process. And there are ways that you learn to cope with it, um, just like I've learned to cope with my emotional waves. So yeah, I wouldn't say that it's not like um, bitterness or frustration or anger or uh, disappointment. It's it's very much just a part of our chemistry. And when you think about it, I mean, it's just totally natural and normal for us to be like, hmm, nothing's happening. This sucks, you know, <laughs> because we're like, we're here to evolve and to bring that mutation and to see if the mutation will stick. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't like read too much into it, but I definitely used to as well. I used to be like, oh no, like what's wrong with my life? I'm, I don't care about anything, you know? And it's just like, nah, it's just, it's just gonna happen and um obviously if it if it's like clinical depression or something that's different that's like that's very different but um just you know having those off days where you're like I don't care about anything I'm just sad and this sucks you know I've learned to just start writing start creating put that energy into something so And I think there's a big difference in noticing like when it is melancholy and when it is depression. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. Like also being able to distinguish that and not confuse it. um, Cause like you said, to just embrace it, to let it be there. Right. But if you're depressed, that's a different Avenue. That's a different construct. That's that's totally different than just melancholy. So um, just having that awareness will, will bring a lot of help, I believe. Yeah, I really try to separate like actual mental health issues and mental illness from human design. Like I think our human design can maybe provide some help, you know, like I have ADHD and I, I've used human design to help me through that. But at the same time, if I didn't know I had ADHD, I feel like it would have prevented me from learning about it in a different light and like having different resources, having access to different resources. So I always encourage people to like explore you know, with a therapist or, you know, don't just rely on human design. You might need a lot of other therapeutic modalities or other insight 
um, other perspectives and it's not always just your design, you know, there's other stuff that can be going on. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, Teresa, thank you so much uh, for coming on here today. I'll be in touch. All right. This concludes the episode for navigating manifesting generator energy with Teresa Brenneman. I would like to express my sincere gratitude to Teresa for sharing her valuable insights and lived experiences as a manifesting generator during our conversation today. If you're wanting to connect with Teresa, you can find her on social media platforms at Teresa Brenneman, or you can go to her website at www.howtobealion.com. To connect with myself, visit projectorguidance.com or visit my social media platforms at by.brandyyates. The episodes are recorded live on TikTok, providing you with the opportunity to catch them before they are released. To do so, simply visit my page and click on the bell icon at the top to receive notifications when we go live. By watching the show while it's live, you also have the chance to get a question answered during the episode. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to engage with us directly and to stay ahead of the game. Thank you all for joining me today. Until next time.